Sunday blessings to all of you. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Peter Chrysologus, a new voice on this podcast. St. Peter Chrysologus is a doctor of the Church who died in the year 450. As Archbishop of Ravenna, he was a zealous pastor and gifted preacher who contributed significant insights to the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed, defending the true divinity and true humanity of the divine person, Jesus. And now, from St. Peter Chrysologus's Sermon 122, The Rich Man and Lazarus. After the words we spoke come these, and lifting up his eyes, being in torment, the rich man saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. and lifting up his eyes. Late does the rich man lift up his eyes towards heaven. He has always kept them intent upon the earth. O rich man, those very eyes you lift up are your accusers. Those eyes you lift up do not placate your judge, but enkindle him to anger. They gain you not forgiveness, but a feeling of guilt. They call for the full measure of penalties, not solace. Whither do you raise your eyes? Why do you still cry out, O rich man? Whither do you cast your glance again and again, O rich man? There is Lazarus. There is the betrayer of your impiety, the witness of your crimes, the herald of your cruelty. And he cried out, the text says, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Now you recognize him as a father. 
but in the person of Lazarus, you spurned Abraham as a father, and you cannot now know him as a father towards you. Now you see him as a just man, who then, to be kindly to you, long allowed Lazarus to be tormented. Unhappy is he whom his own ancestor thus accuses, whom the one responsible for his seeing the light of day thus condemns. Unhappy is he whose crimes were so great that in the judgment his ancestor could not show mercy to him or his father forgive him or his father's affection help him. Why do you still cry out, O rich man? You are still rich, but in crime, not in wealth, not in possessions, but in guilt. Why do you cry out? What do you ask for? Here we see no more petitioning, but a controversy in which the one who suffered is one of the opponents. The participants are in separate places. The one speaks from nearby, the other from afar. The one carries on from a bosom, the other from hell. The one pleads from a place of repose, the other complains from amid his torments. What does the rich man say? Father Abraham, have pity on me. Well would you be speaking, O rich man, if Lazarus, reposing in Abraham's bosom, were not holding the very heart of the judge. Well would you be speaking if Lazarus did not possess all the secrets of this perfectly just reviewer. He whom an innocent confessor thus accuses petitions the judge to no purpose. He believes in vain that the judge can help him when the very man who endured so much is talking through the judge's mouth. Have pity on me and send Lazarus. Are you still so cruel to Lazarus? Send Lazarus? Whither? From Abraham's bosom to hell? From his lofty throne to the deepest abyss? From the holy repose and deep silence of the blessed to the din of the tortures? And send Lazarus. As I see the matter, the rich man's actions spring not from new pain, but from ancient envy. This is enkindled not so much by hell as by Lazarus's possession of heaven. Men find it a grave evil and an unbearable fire to see in happiness those whom they once held in contempt. The rich man's malice does not leave him. 
even though he already endures its punishment. He does not ask to be led to Lazarus, but wants Lazarus to be led to him. O rich man, the loving Abraham cannot send to the bed of your tortures Lazarus, whom you did not condescend to admit to your table. Your respective fortunes have now been reversed. You look upon the glory of him whose misery you once spurned. He gazes upon your tortures and then wondered at you in your glory. Let us see, brethren, why he thus begs in tears to have Lazarus sent to him. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. You are in error, O rich man. This fire is not so much in your tongue as in your mind, not so much of the tongue as of the heart. That heart is still one of the conscience, not that extreme flame which waits in readiness for you. For if the full fire of the last judgment were already surrounding you, if the sentence of that hopeless condemnation already held you, you would never be lifting your eyes. You would never be presuming to speak with your father, or to ask for yourself, or to intercede for your brothers. Surely, if all the fire of hell already holds you, and the flame of Gehenna enwraps you, why do you want help only for the burning in your tongue? Unless it is because, when your breast is heaving with the flame of your crime and guilt, your tongue which insulted the poor man and refused mercy to him, is burnt the more and catches fire and violently burns. The tongue proceeds to the judgment. It first tastes and suffers tortures. It is the first member of all the body to sense heat. For when it was the first member to taste here on earth various delicious foods and to sample the perfumed cups, it refused to order generosity. It did not command mercy to be shown. But when others were showing it, the tongue complained. This is he who used to clothe himself in purple and fine linen, what is the matter, rich man? Does the fine linen fail to protect you from the heat? Does the purple fail to resist hell? Those goods remain behind. They deserted you and yourself, who once mocked at the heat while clothed with garments, ingeniously light. You are now naked and sweat and burn. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
Why this, rich man? Where are the torrents from your wine presses? Where are your barns, expanded not less by your greediness than by your suppliers, as far as the poor man's hunger is concerned? As far as his need is concerned, where are those wines preserved so long because of their age and oblivion of their dates? Where are all the bustlings and the pourings of your servants? All this exists no more for you. It is no more an occasion of sin. Now you have thirst for the drop on a fingertip. If you had given only this to the poor man, you would not have this thirst. A drop made you unmerciful, and a crumb made you inhumane. Drops and crumbs made up the whole sustenance and life of a poor man. I should like to know, O rich man, if you in your suffering excuse even your own self, you would not have come to these evils if on earth you have given a crumb from your huge barns and a drop from your great wine presses. What the flesh needs and nature demands and suffices for life is little. Avarice is the reason why a man stores up many great possessions, not for himself, but for others, and that clearly to his present or future suffering. But you object, O rich man. Even if I did not refuse to give wine, what I ask for is water, which the Creator himself of all beings and nature gave as something common to all human beings. I think, O rich man, that you refused even water to the poor man. You exposed him to as many dogs as you could to keep him from entering your door and coming to your well. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. What is the meaning of this which you say, if he is not to bring the water? Evidently that water is nearby to you. And if it is near, why do you not take it from nearby? Why? Because your hands are rightly bound, O rich man. Because you spurned to give help to Lazarus's hands when they had lost their strength through weakness. Man should certainly share his members with the weak. When Job was not so much giving them as giving them back, he spoke as follows. I was an eye of the blind and a foot of the lame. I was the father of the weak. O oh man, if you do not have a coin, give a poor man your hand, because he shows greater mercy, who by his own hand 
leads a poor man who is weak to his table. He gives his very self to the poor man who devotes himself to his service, makes himself the poor man's servant. Again, brethren, let us postpone the completion of the present discourse in order to expound in a third sermon what sentence the rich man endured from Holy Abraham. St. Peter Chrysologus, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who manifest your almighty power above all by pardoning and showing mercy, bestow, we pray, your grace abundantly upon us and make those hastening to attain your promises heirs to the treasures of heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thank you.